Welcome to Ambition and Mischief, a community of badass women doing good. I'm your host, Sam Cartagena, and as a publicist and mindset coach, I help women illuminate and amplify their inner vision, trust their intuition, and get comfortable with being seen. This podcast is a home for stories about doing the work, the internal work that allows us to see clearly and live in alignment with our highest self, and the external work that allows us to share our mission with the world. If there's one thing you take away from this space, remember that the most mischievous thing you can do is be yourself, fully and unapologetically. Let's get it. Welcome back to Ambition and Mischief. So if you missed our first episode, I shared a little bit about who I am, my story, and also what you can expect from this podcast. So for the second episode, I'm currently in Costa Rica. I'm here with my fiance and our dog, and we are loving it. But I say that to say, if you hear exotic birds in the background, that's what that is. Um, so I don't, I can't edit it out. It is, it just is what it is. The exotic animals are everywhere. Um, anyway, so we've been in Costa Rica for about two weeks. We got here on the 31st and celebrated New Year's here, but we were actually supposed to be here a few days before that, and we had a interesting experience, to say the least, getting here. So just a quick backstory, we were supposed to be here on the 26th or 27th, and we packed our bags, we got everything ready, we knew we were bringing our dog with us, so I personally was on the phone with United Airlines for like an hour before we, um, before we took off and the day before. So we get to the airport, everything is great, we land in Costa Rica, and when we're about to exit the airport, we have to go through like one more security type section. And so the guy is like, okay, I just need the paperwork for the dog. And I'm like, cool, here it is. Here's all the paperwork. And he's like, no, I need another piece of paper. And I was like, no, this is all the paperwork that we have. Like, this is all that United told us we needed. And he's like, well, United has their own process. This is what we need. And I was like, oh, shit. And so I say to him, like, okay, so what, what, are, what are our options? Like, what can we do from here? We're already here. The dog is here. And he's like, well, your options are you can either go into Costa Rica, leave your dog behind, and we will euthanize her, aka kill her, or you can all fly back to the U.S., and I thought this this guy was joking. And like, I even chuckled when he said that because I was like, ha ha, yeah, like kill our dog. So funny. And he, his, he was just so serious. He was dead serious. And so we spent a long time trying to negotiate with this guy. We offered to leave our passport. We said, we'll be back in 24 hours. Now, mind you, when we landed, it was Sunday. And so we couldn't get in contact with her vet. We couldn't get in contact with anyone that we needed to. And so after trying for like three hours, I think, of like calling everyone that I knew, calling every vet that I knew, Googling different places, seeing what vet was open, nothing worked. And I was like, you have to be kidding me. This cannot be happening. This can't be happening. There has to be a way that we figure this out. And there wasn't. The only option was flying back to Newark Airport the same exact day that we flew out of it. 
So we ended up flying five hours to Costa Rica, going through that nightmare for like five hours, and then flying right back to Newark for five hours. And that was our first trip to Costa Rica. Oh man, I literally cried the entire flight back. And that is not me. I'm not a crier. I'm not someone that shows emotion in public. I'm not someone that like processes emotion in the moment. I'm definitely historically been more of the person that like, let's just bury this. Let's let's work our way through it. And by work, I mean like, let's bury ourselves in work. And that just, it, that wasn't available for me. In order to really process what had happened that day, I needed to let it go in that moment and I needed to feel it and I did not give a shit if anyone was judging me or looking at me. I was openly and freely sobbing. Because I let myself feel my way through that process, we were able to get the additional paperwork that we needed. We were able to book another flight that we didn't pay for, by the way, after telling United Airlines that story, they were very accommodating. They gave us a new flight and they even upgraded us. So we flew back out a few days later. And by the time I got here, because I had allowed myself to process all of that in that moment, I wasn't holding on to it anymore. I wasn't like worried. I wasn't anxious. I wasn't focusing on what had happened a few days before. And it allowed me to really fully enjoy Costa Rica as soon as we landed and, you know, for the past two weeks that we've been here. So anyway, that's a quick life update. Um, we are enjoying it. We are safe. Our dog is safe. She's loving it. And everything is beautiful. So what I wanted to talk about today is this concept of being versus doing. And I think in our culture, we kind of glorify and there's such a praise for the doing energy. It's very much about pushing and hustling and grinding your way through life and toward the things that you want to create. For a long time, I was kind of indoctrinated into that thinking too, where I thought that the only way to get where I wanted to get was through doing, was through pushing, was through really hard work. It's like, duh, that seems logical. How else are you going to get there? And especially growing up uh, where I did, I was um, born and raised in Washington Heights before moving to Jersey and was always kind of like the first to do the things that I wanted to do. I was the first to graduate college, the first to work in a corporate environment, the first to do a lot of things. And I always remember this kind of unspoken and sometimes spoken thing of like you need to work harder than everyone else because you're already expected to be a certain way right like the outside society already expects you and stereotypes you into being this person into fitting into this box based on how you look and so you need to work twice as hard just so people can respect you and so you can get where you want to go in life and I really took that I really internalized that. I took that personally and I said, okay, so that means I'm going to work really, really hard and that's going to have me be successful. The harder I work, the more successful I am. I mentioned this a little bit in the previous episode of like, the more I sacrifice, then that means the more successful I am. And that was just always how I approached life and how I approached work. But then I hit this wall of, okay, 
I had this goal, I had this plan of graduating and getting a quote-unquote good job in corporate America, and I got those things. I was 26, I had all those things, I was making good money, and even before getting laid off, I knew that something was off. I knew that something needed to change, and I knew that it wasn't sustainable. I knew that the way I was living my life was not sustainable, that I couldn't keep giving and giving and pouring out of an empty cup to the point where I had no energy, no zest for life, and I didn't have anything left to pour into myself, to pour into my relationships, to pour into my family, none of that. And so I felt like, well, shit. I mean, if I work harder, this is just going to get worse. So what is my other option? The funny thing is that this is the same pattern that I see in a lot of my coaching clients, where they are super ambitious, super driven women. They've gotten, on paper, they have everything that they want. On paper, they have all of the things that they should have, right? Should in quotes. So, you know, it looks like they're winning, but internally something feels like it's missing. Something feels misaligned and something feels off. And that is how I felt when I was still working in corporate America. And then through coaching, I myself was introduced to, or not even introduced, I think reminded of, because I think these these concepts of like spirituality and personal growth, a lot of the things are kind of, we innately know them to be true. We may not always have the words for them, but we innately know them to be true. And over time, we kind of forget. We, you know, we internalize all of the external things and Throughout this work, it's really about an unlearning so that you can remember the truths that were always there. And so through coaching, I was reminded of the importance of being and not just doing. So what that means for me is when looking at being, what kind of energy are you bringing into your life? How are you being while you do these things? And it may seem super simple, But I think that the way that I was living my life before coaching, I feel like my life is kind of broken up into before I got laid off and before coaching and after I got laid off and after coaching. And so before coaching, I didn't give a shit about who I was being. All I cared about is what I was doing. It's kind of like almost by any means necessary. I don't think I ever became the person that would like backstab people or anything like that. I That was never me, but I was willing to kind of self-sacrifice myself, right? Like self-sacrifice my wellness, my mental health, and all of these other things. It, it didn't matter who I was being to me. It was just It was just about what I was doing. What can I accomplish? If I work 12, 13, 14 hours, who gives a shit who I'm being as long as I get the thing done and then as long as I get the praise for it after. That's how I used to operate. And from that place, everything feels so heavy. Everything feels like it's so much work to get it done. And it feels like without that hustle, without that grind energy, it's not going to happen. And that's because the doing is living on its own. And so what I started to explore is like, okay, well, What if I integrate this being with this doing? What if I practice being in this space of flow and expansion and joy and all of these things that I want to experience? What if I practice being that while I'm doing these things? And that simple concept was life-changing for me. 
because I realized that in doing all of the things I was doing, I was chasing this feeling of peace and joy and light and expansion. And I thought that the harder I work, the more I do, eventually that feeling is going to come up. Eventually. And it wouldn't. Or I would taste it for a little bit. And then I would go right back into feeling not enough, feeling like I need to work harder, feeling like I need to do more and work more. And so I was chasing this way of being. I was chasing this feeling. And it was like I was chasing my own tail. And when I decided to start being all of those things in this moment, I no longer had to chase it. I just had to choose to be in it in this moment. And that energy shifted the way that I approached work and shifted the way I did things. So the things that I did no longer became about chasing a certain feeling. And instead, it just became about doing the thing I wanted to do. This may seem abstract. So just to paint a picture, I'm going to give an example. So I wrote a workbook, um, what, two or three years ago. It's a PR workbook. And while I was writing it, I was so much in the space of doing. I remember the day that I finished it, I was up until five o'clock in the morning, putting all the final touches on it, the designing, all of it, right? I said, I'm going to launch on this day. I'm going to make it happen. And there's nothing wrong with that either, right? Like the, the act itself, there's nothing wrong with. But who I was being underneath it, I was not at all being mindful of how I felt about, you know, eating that day, about drinking. And the place that I was coming from, the thing that was fueling me was, I don't think this is going to work. I don't think that this is going to be enough. I don't think that people are going to actually buy this. And so I was creating from that place. I was hoping that the harder I worked, the more I buried myself in the creation process, that on the other side of it would be a fix to the things that I felt inadequate about. Now, on the flip side, with this podcast, with the Ambition and Mischief community, with the different programs that I've created, I created those not from a place of lack and not from a place of scarcity and not from a place of blinding myself to the being, who I was being, who I was showing up as, but instead being really mindful and being really intentional about how, how I was showing up. So instead of showing up as, if I do this, then I will feel this, I instead chose to feel the way that I wanted to and do it from that place. I hope that makes sense. I'm trying my best to illustrate this like this experience, which can be so intangible and can be kind of abstract. But I think just to kind of like bottom line it, it's the way that I was operating before was, like I just said, if I do this and I do it well enough, then I will feel this thing. That feeling is the thing that I'm actually chasing. And I think that if I work hard enough, if I sacrifice enough, then eventually I will get to that feeling. And it never comes. There's always more work to do. It was never enough. There's always more to give. It's like a bottomless pit trying to get to the other side of it. And it's endless. And instead, really coupling being 
and doing. It's about choosing that feeling now. It's about showing gratitude and finding that feeling now and bringing that feeling and creating from that energy. So just another example, if you think of two plants that are planted in soil, right? They're, they're going to grow, they're going to bloom eventually. One of the plants is rooted in soil that is full of scarcity and negativity and not enoughness and all of the things, right? And from that soil, the person that is planting the, the flower or whatever and hoping that it grows is hoping that it grows into something completely different. When in reality, the, the soil that it's being... Uh, <laughs> I, I am not a gardener. I do not have a green thumb at all. So I'm sure I'm messing up all of these words. But you get the point. I'm illustrating, I'm illustrating a point here. The, the soil that it's planted in becomes the foundation and is kind of interwoven into how this plant grows. Whereas this other plant is planted in soil that is full of abundance and light and joy and flow and love. And those things will be woven into the plant itself as it grows. And so those are the two perspectives here. The point is choosing who you are being in this moment and creating from that place rather than creating mindlessly or not being aware of how you are showing up and hoping that if you kind of work hard enough, then the energy will shift eventually. Another lens to look at this through is masculine and feminine energy. I've talked about this a little bit on my Instagram when I got back from my trip to Bali. That was really the place that I really explored this like masculine and feminine. And what I said then and what I'll say again is it's not about gender. Each of us has masculine and feminine energies within us. It's, think of it as kind of like that yin and yang. We, all of us, have that within us, and it kind of ebbs and flows. The way that we can look at being and doing and masculine and feminine, the way I see it is the being is more of that feminine energy. It's more of that flow. It's more of the the feeling, the light, the energy, it's abundance, it's expansion, it's very kind of intangible. Whereas the doing is more of the masculine energy and it's much more tangible. And so earlier I mentioned that I used to be in this place where I was working really hard but something was missing and working harder wasn't getting me the thing. Whatever it was I was missing, it wasn't get, I wasn't getting it. And I've seen a lot of my clients go through this process too, where they are doing, 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 and they, they aren't getting to that feeling that they want. And they think that if they work harder, then they will get it. And eventually they're just like, I don't, I don't know what else to do. And that missing link, that missing piece is that being, is the acceptance, the welcoming the praise and really seeing value in your feminine energy. We have been taught and internalized, I know that I did, internalize this idea that the feminine is weak and unpredictable and crazy and all of the things that, that go along with that. And what I've come to realize and remember is that the masculine, the doing, is beautiful. There's nothing wrong with it. But alongside it, 
in order to feel this alignment, in order to feel like we're living this holistic life and not that there is something that we're missing. This being and this doing needs to live together. It needs to coexist. I'd love to go further into this concept in another episode, but for now, I hope that you enjoyed hearing about being versus doing. Before we go, I have a prompt for you, a few introspective questions that you can sit with. You can use them as a writing prompt, a journal prompt, or just think about it and see what comes up for you from this conversation. Is there a certain feeling or experience that you're chasing after? Is there something where you're telling yourself, if I do this enough, I will have that? And if so, what is that thing? What is the feeling? What is the experience that you are looking for? What is the experience that you think is outside of you that you may be chasing? And how can you give yourself, how can you create that feeling or that experience now? Thank you for listening. And if you're ready for more, I'll see you over at ambitionandmischief.com where you'll find more resources and an invitation to our private online community where we're deepening conversations just like this one. I'll see you soon.